This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen, Shane Dale, and our special guest, the legendary, as I like to refer to him, Jeff Dean, who is the founder of this podcast many years ago. We are with you for the entire show. Jeff is with us for the entire show. We really appreciate that. This is a special episode because never have we been able to talk about a 36-point beatdown on this program of our rival. Is that right? I mean, Shane, this I, for you who is the number one cynic on this program. or the, I prefer the term program. anti-homer, but, but go on. Holy heck, you didn't yeah. see that coming, nor did anybody else, right? Well, I mean, some people probably did. Uh, but no, I, I didn't see that quite that big a beatdown just because, you know, like you said, I, I am the eternal pessimist. Uh, I, I will say, you know, I was thinking back and I tweeted about this. I was thinking back to um, three years ago um, when uh, you and I just started this podcast, restarted this podcast in its current form. And uh, this, the, it was already a, uh, you know, a massacre in, in Tucson and what ASU was doing. And so we decided, you know what, let's, we're going to do a live stream anyway. Let's go ahead and live stream the second half, let fans vent, take their comments, uh, and just talk about it as, uh, instead of just waiting until, till the end of the game could not have imagined here. We would be three years later, not only still doing this podcast because you never know, but Arizona turning the, 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 the tables completely on ASU. And um, them Arizona being the program on the rise, ASU being on the on the decline, and um, you know I, I was a little sorry I wasn't able to be there in person. Had a sick child, uh, I, I was kind of hesitant to go anyway because if ASU did win, I didn't want to be surrounded by a bunch of uh, Sun Devil fans. But I'll, I'm interested to hear your take, Eric. We texted a little bit during the game, but uh, it just on and from photos and from what I saw on TV, it looked like I haven't seen that many UVA fans at, at that at that stadium, whatever it's called now, since the Fiesta Bowl in '94. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I'm probably going to turn to to the third member on this pro- podcast, the voice of uh, Arizona Stadium and McHale Center, Jeff Dean, for that question. I, I would say, I mean, I I didn't get a full observation of, I'd say 60-40 ASU, maybe I'm off. Jeff, what did it look like to you and just kind of your thoughts as far as the crowd from what you saw on TV? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounded like 50-50, and, and you know, I wasn't there. Um, I, I just, for a couple of reasons, I... He, it's difficult for me to go because I'm just a bundle of nerves and I'm just not good in a crowd of those people on that particular day. So I usually (laughs) just watch the game by myself because no one wants to be around I did the same thing. I did the same thing. On those types of, in these types of situations, even when I was very, very confident that we were going to get the win, I'm still for 24 hours. I'm just a complete bundle of nerves. So, uh, but it certainly sounded like it was about 50, 50, uh, at the stadium uh, on Saturday, and that's you know that's a, that's a phenomenal turnout and a, a great credit to our fans, of course. And uh, I know that coming back from halftime, when the the cameras showed the crowd, there oh. was a mass exodus of of Arizona State fans. Wouldn't you right though? During halftime. I mean, listen, I stayed till the last whistle, and I you know, and, and I stayed for a little bit of the post game. And it was pretty much, you know, would you want to stick around if you were an ASU fan? I don't blame him. I do want to address one thing before we get right into the show. 
you know, you guys talk about, hey, I don't want to go. I want to watch the game. It's a bundle of nerves every time. And I've been to every Arizona, Arizona State game since 2001 in Tempe. The only one I've missed in, in total was 2020. And thank God, Jeff, you were there for that. But uh, the rest of us were not. And thank God for that. With that said, every time I go down, I say, I am done coming to this game. I don't want to do it. It's annoying. Getting into Sun Devil Stadium is a pain in the ass. I went, I got there early and didn't get in the stadium until after Arizona's first drive. That's what a cluster it was. You know, we th- everybody thinks, oh, Arizona Stadium is bad. It is almost worse. And then you got to walk up like 18 flights of stairs to yeah. get on the main level over there. Yeah. It is a debacle and a half. With that said, boy, yesterday, one of my favorite games I have ever been to in my entire life. In fact, I would put the last two weekends as two of my favorite Arizona games that I've ever attended out of the 150 plus that I've seen in my lifetime. That's how much fun they were. Now, Shane, let's start off before we get into buy or sell. We always do Shane's standouts. Now, I wonder where you're going to go with this one based on what we saw yesterday. Well, let me back up for a second, and we'll, we'll, I know we're going to talk hoops in the second segment, but I want to mention the basketball game because the because it, we've it's been overshadowed for obvious reasons. But our basketball team had a a, a very impressive win over Michigan State uh, that carried out very much the same way the Duke game did in a number of levels. But I want to mention again, uh, Keisha Johnson. Because I just think, again, he is maybe their Arizona's most important addition this season in terms of just setting the tone, how he plays on both sides of the floor, had some big buckets, a key block late in that game, a double-double machine. So uh, big win. They're, they're 2-0 in that six-game gauntlet that we've talked about. And um, they will at least be number three in the country again uh, when the rankings come out, um, maybe number two. We're recording this on Sunday night, just uh, we haven't looked at those uh, had a chance to see those yet for football. I mean, obviously start with Nova Fita and T-Mac, you know, the, those, those guys, I try to find guys who are a little less obvious. I want to do a kind of like a season standout and, and not necessarily an unsung group, but a group that never gets enough credit. And that's Arizona's offensive line. They've been so good all season. They've gotten better all year. They had to deal with some injuries, but uh, the the depth on that line, uh, including you know, like, like Wendell Moe, who I know uh, Jeff singled out on Twitter the other day or X or whatever. Uh, and then Raymond Polito uh, had played uh, some had some very very important plays in that game um, and, and just freeing up giving Noah Fafita all day to throw making making the the rest the, the so called skill players look even better than they are they've done it all season and I think that they shined against ASU from beginning to end. Jeff, how about a few standouts from you? Um, you know, Shane always does this segment right off the top. Give us a few thoughts. I mean, we know T Mac, we know Noah, but anyone else you want to highlight? Yeah, you know, Shane kind of stole my first one, which was the offensive line, you know, going into that game, Arizona State, I think was third in the conference in total sacks and TFLs. Uh, Their defensive line had been really, really good all season long. It's been their brightest spot all season long. And the offensive line gave Noah, as you saw, all day to throw on Saturday. There were times where even when they rushed four and five guys, a full complement of rushers were hat on hat was happening there was still just super clean pockets so hats off to those guys um secondly though dude gunner maldonado had the game of his career on saturday in front of a lot of people who recognize his name of course from you know from his time here in the valley and such so gunner maldonado was absolutely he was an animal both safeties both he and dalton johnson were just incredibly good on saturday but gunner maldonado to me was the guy because he was the one that almost kind of the loneliest guy on the field, right? He was playing center field safety. And as soon as he realized that 
he didn't have to, you know, stay back there, to, you know, to be beat deep. He was coming down like a guided missile on running plays, screen plays. He blew up a couple plays, big hits, sending a message in a lot of different ways. Uh, and, and for me, he was just incredible. And, and look, a lot of guys deserve game balls from Saturday. There are a lot to go around. But to me, offensive line stood out. They were incredible and both safeties, but specifically Gunnar Maldonado. So in this segment, uh, we're going to talk all football. And then in our next segment, we'll get into basketball because of that great win that Shane mentioned on Thanksgiving against Michigan State. But this is by ourselves, presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to IceShaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off. And I'm sure they have some great other Cyber Monday sales uh, this week. So take a look at those. All right, guys. I mean, there's a lot of angles to go with, but let's start here because I think it's an important question. 59-23 equals or is greater than 70-7. to Shane, I'll start with you. Thoughts? Well, uh, getting away from the obvious math portion of it, which I don't think you're angling for, um, I, I thought about this. Uh, in a way, I would uh, – here's the way I choose to answer it because you'd love to okay. kind of open it on purpose, right? I'd say 70-7 to was greater because, as Jedfish noted last week, he understands the significance of this game because he was hired after the 70 to seven demolition. And as Kelly, Kenny Dillingham said, after Saturday's game, he said, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you bounce back, referring to his three and nine Sun Devils. And that seems like that's what hap- had to happen with Arizona. The difference was Arizona fired their coach after that game and, and brought in Jed fish for was essentially year zero and another very difficult year. But I think that, The positive thing is, you know, having to endure all the mockery and the billboards and all that stuff from ASU fans is finally becoming worth it because that game was in part, in large part, a catalyst to where Arizona is now and where they're going. So to answer your question from that regard, I would say 70 to 7 is still greater than 59 to 23, even though it is the largest win for Arizona in Tempe ever in terms of margin of victory. Okay, Jeff, here's where my angle is on this before you answer it. So... Uh, there were no fans in the stands in that game that you called or very just other than families that were there in 2020. Um, so, you know, it wasn't in front of a, a typical crowd. Uh, number two, uh, the trajectory of the program, what it meant to Arizona, obviously the game was bad, but it started Arizona on a path to where they are today. When you look at where ASU is right now, this is a first year head coach um, and it was a full crowd and it was uh, in what at Mountain America Stadium, whatever it is, Sun Devil Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's really no excuse that ASU has. I listen, I was with some ASU people earlier today. I was talking to them about it, and they just said, Hey, listen, we know, you know, we only had six scholarship offensive linemen. Da, 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 da. This is the first year of your rebuild. This was 2021 for us. We didn't lose 70 to seven. In fact, I remember we were quite competitive there at Sun Devil Stadium. 14 and nine at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quite competitive game. This was 38 to seven at halftime and really should have been 45 to seven if Jacob Cowling didn't drop a touchdown. So Jeff, I ask you the same question. 59, 23, how does that compare to 70 to seven in your opinion? You know, I, I, I hear this, I hear the 70 to seven from all the Sun Devil fans and all my friends and things like that. I, I, I always laugh. I, I'm like, do you people not understand that that, that score did us more good than it did you guys? Because it got us off our tails. It got text messages and emails being sent to Dave Heakey and Robert Robbins saying, 
we would like to donate $500 to the buyout fund, things like that. It happened, as you mentioned, in a stadium where there were nobody but parents and girlfriends. They're lucky we even turned the damn scoreboard on in a season that didn't matter, in a season that NCAA eligibility doesn't even recognize as an eligibility year for players, which is why guys are still playing the, you know, this day and age when they were a junior in that game. It doesn't matter. Nothing about that game mattered. The only thing that mattered is that when it was so bad that it caused Arizona to take a complete U-turn on what they were doing with the football program. And I can't thank ASU enough for that. And I am so sick and tired of hearing that score from those fans because it did us a hell of a lot more good than it did them. I think that's kind of my take. Shane, do you want to rebut that? I, you, normally we don't go back no, and forth, but I think look, that's a great I, take by Jeff. I really do. I don't, I mean, look, I can be the wet blanket all day long. I'm very, very good at it. I have decades of experience, but no, I, I mean, look, if I'll just say if, if Arizona had won the game 70 to seven, we'd be celebrating it, but I completely get Jeff's point. I, I think it's a fair take. And certainly um, a lot of times, and, and cause I've written about it, a lot of times losses in this game are catalysts for things that happen down the road. Um, for whether it's uh, you know the following year or the following several years, whether it's coach getting fired or players coming together to play even better the following year, this game it, like a, a lot of times it, it's like it's the end of the chapter for this year, but it could, it's chapter one for the following year or the year after that. So from that regard, absolutely, I, I get it. I just so I, I guess it depends on how you look at it because I think Jeff and I have the same take, but just from different angles. He's looking at it as seventy to seven. Uh, was was not as big because it's kind of irrelevant in in terms of the uh, the history books. I'm looking at it as that it helped Arizona become the program it is today, which I think is Jeff's point as well. All right, number two, Jeff. I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, Jed missed an opportunity to run it up even more yesterday. Uh, I don't know if if a missed opportunity is is what you would like to call it. I mean, you could definitely feel them taking their foot off the gas. You know, midway through the third quarter, it's 52 to seven. They're just, you know, you, you could just sense it. Players were going backwards. Um, there was incongruity on offense. There was, you know, some missed plays. And you were wondering, like, well, maybe Jaden's going to get in the game now. And there was the thoughts were on other things other than keeping the hammer down and, and you know, just leveling the, you know, the playing field here. Um, so in, in, regard, in regards to score that everybody was hung up on. And I, I, I honestly – as I mentioned, I think it's pretty obvious. I couldn't care less about the stupid 70 to seven score. I care about what the future of the program is. And, and it, regardless of whether Jed took his foot off the gas or not, it was pretty obvious who the more dominant team was. Then it's been dom It's been very obvious who the more dominant team is in recruiting in the last two years. And it's very, very obvious to everyone across the country who the better team is going into 2024. And that's what matters. Then how about you? Jed should have run it up. Let me phrase it this way. Jed should have run it up more based on the, what happened three years ago. Yeah. Well, you know, part of me was wondering right after they scored the touchdown uh, to go 58, 23, part of me wondered if Jed wanted to have a nice round number and, and go for two and go and, and make it 60, but he didn't do that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think it was more the team that missed the opportunity. As you mentioned, Eric, it should have been 45 uh, to seven at halftime. You know, Cowan would had a rare drop uh, in the end zone or at the very least 41 to seven. He had the missed field goal as well. Yep. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, Fafita was the only mistake of the game at the goal line. When it looked yep. like Arizona was going to score again. So it could have easily been, uh, uh, what, 66, 73 to, to 23 or whatever, whatever issue would have ended up with. So 
Uh, I don't know. They still went, they put, took their foot off the gas a little bit. I mean, I don't, I did not expect Arizona to keep passing when they got the ball back with a minute and a half left. I think that's even, even for this rivalry, that's a bit of overkill. And I think Judd also remembered Arizona has another game to play and he didn't want to risk a silly injury on a key player before their bowl game, even though with four minutes left at the goal line, all of the starters were still in there. So I don't know if he took his foot off the gas. I think you know, the, the team maybe lost its way a little bit in the second half, like Jeff mentioned. So I, I don't really think if you're suggesting that Jed showed ASU mercy, I don't really think so. I think he did. And I'm going to tell you why all there right. was a third and six play. I think it might've been in the fourth quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong. They ran it up the middle. And I was thinking that's not an Arizona call considering Noah was doing whatever he wanted. That was a foot off the gas play, in my opinion. I think you should have run it up more. I mean, that's just a maybe. I understand why you don't, because then you have to face them again and you're giving them bulletin board material. But hey, Herm Edwards did it, and yeah, Arizona still we're, lost. We're just we're still. face it, Eric. We're just going to have to settle for the biggest win ever in Tempe and Arizona's biggest win over ASU in 70 years, and we're just going to have to live with that. All right, let's let's address a few of these. Uh, you know, I love to do these type of questions. So. Shane, I'll start with you. I mean, you're a historian of Arizona football. You've written two books about it. This is the best Arizona football team since 1998 by yourself. Well, so the contenders or the rivals for this seem to be 2009 and 2014. Now, both of those teams had great regular seasons, but very rough postseasons. The 2009 team got destroyed by Nebraska in the Holiday Bowl in a game I still regret attending. And the 2014 team got embarrassed in a rematch with Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and then lost to Boise State in the Fiesta Bowl. So I think this team has a chance to be considered the best since 1998 with a win in a bowl game just because of the way that they've ended the season and how well-rounded a team they are. I will say this as well. I think this is the best coach team Arizona has had in as long as I can remember. In all three phases of the game, at every position. And that's why any – I know we're going to touch on this in a little bit – any contract extension for Jetfish has to include, it has to include a sizable budget increase for assistance uh, because there is likely to be uh, poached as, as Jetfish is. And his first contract reflected that. Hopefully this next one, because I'm sure they're working on a contract extension right now. Uh, hopefully this next one reflects that as well. They have to uh, open the budget for his assistance as well. Jeff, is this the best Arizona team that that we have all seen in 25 years? Yeah, I mean, Shane really, I mean, he he put a nice, big, bright red, shiny bow on it. I mean, he he said everything that I was thinking. Uh, the 2009 team, the 2014 team were the two contenders. I believe this team is better than both of those teams, mm -hmm. and they're certainly the best coach team of those three. Uh, certainly the best coach team since the 1998 squad, and, and as he said, in all facets. I mean, this team doesn't really have a weakness. They're fourth in the Pac-12 in scoring. They're third in the Pac-12 in defensive scoring. They're second in passing. They're fifth in rushing. They're fourth in defensive rushing. They're fourth in defensive passing efficiency. I mean, they're just, they're uh, uh, the top three, top four team in the conference in every single metric that you can possibly imagine. And they have uh, a, you know, essentially a freshman quarterback, you know, getting his, you know, his first starts under underneath him, a redshirt freshman quarterback uh, getting his starts underneath him and, and a largely uh, amount of players who were either a member of a 2022 recruiting class or playing their first year in an Arizona uniform after transferring in from some other program. So it, it's a remarkable job done by the coaching staff from, from top to bottom. All right. So this is kind of a bonus question that I didn't include in our rundown, Shane. Um, and I was thinking about this. 
these last five weeks, what we've seen since the bye week, the wins over Oregon State, UCLA at home, then they go on the road and beat Colorado at the buzzer, and then you beat uh, Utah at home, you destroy them, and then you destroy ASU. Is this as good as it gets for Arizona football during the regular season? Like, can it ever get any better than this? Well, sure. If you win all your games, it gets better. Well, but I mean, <laughs> you talk you about the five, the, like the best five game stretch. Maybe, yeah. This ever, maybe the best five or six have, game basically. or six games because it's yeah. a six game winning streak. I mean, the, I know you're talking about just since the bye week, but the first one yeah. happened on my birthday, so I'm counting that plus the other five. Uh, so no, it doesn't get any better in terms of that, this stretch. I mean, they went six, no, they beat some very good teams. They destroyed their rival. How does it get any better? Um, in terms of an overall season, of course you could win all your games. Um, but no, I, it would be difficult to imagine how to top this, especially because in terms of, you know, you're just looking at football, they're going into a weaker conference next year and they have a, there are a lot of good teams in the big 12, but the two best are leaving and, and the rest are, I mean, Arizona, as of now, is the highest ranked team of all big 2024 big 12 teams. So they, they an Oregon state or a UCLA at the time or, uh, or Utah, they're not going to be as many opportunities for those. So from that regard, I, I, I concede your point. Jeff, how about you? What do you do? Would you agree with that? Or am I going over the top? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Actually. I, I think that this is uh, a situation here where you're talking about, You've won six games in a row. Average margin of victory, I think, is uh, after the game on Saturday, I think is up to like 23 and a half or 24 and a half points per game. Margin of victory and half of those teams were ranked. Half of those games were on the road. Uh, you know, I mean, you really can't ask for much. I mean, we're this is not Georgia. This is not Alabama. This is not Clemson. You, you know, this is not, you know, Ohio State and Michigan where we just expect to go eight and one or nine and oh in conference and things like that and it's just you know to have a a season like like arizona's had and to still be furious about the game at, at usc uh i think is, is kind of a defining you know defining aspect of it is you know this could have unequivocally been the greatest season in arizona football history but you know a couple little you know hit you know things and you know misses there but i think what what shane said about um, the competition level, you know, next year when we're looking at this and we run through Texas Tech and we run through UCF and, y y you know, teams like that, TCU, um, we're going to say, man, kind of wish we were playing Washington and Oregon State again and Oregon and Utah. I mean, we'll play Utah, but um, I think we're kind of kind of kind of going to miss these these really big, you know, ranked teams coming into our into our yard and, and trying to beat them. And, you know, the last thing I'll say, Eric, is I, I wish we were playing Washington next week. You know, Washington and Oregon are worthy contenders. They're the two best teams in the conference. They have been from at least cumulative. But I think this Arizona team right now is better than Washington, not Oregon. I think they're better than Washington. And I wish I we had another crack at them. I, I had I, I had I had two guys text me yesterday um that are national they, they cover the sport nationally have for a long long time guys that i've made contacts with over the years and both of them said man i wish it were you guys playing oregon and not washington i want to see what you guys can do wow that and they have no ties to arizona at all no no rooting interest no ties to arizona uh number four with a win in the bowl game uh jeff do you think the wildcats will finish in the top 10 in the final ap poll what's your uh, bold prediction there you buying or selling that one yeah i mean it depends on i guess who we play uh where we go i mean if we if you know if the traditional fan support of arizona football you know continues to to 
you know, have its dark cloud over the bowl, you know, the way that the bowls look at Arizona football, then, you know, maybe we end up playing in Las Vegas and we play in. What do you think will happen? What, what do you think will happen, man? You know, you put out an ominous tweet. Yes, I did. I know. And, and last week, look, I mean, and and it's, it's difficult to clarify these types of things on Twitter without going to this long six page tirade and things like that. The, the representative for the Alamo bowl, told someone that I am very close to that they would take a seven and five Utah team over a nine and three Arizona team, because they know that they'll get 15,000 ticket sales out of Utah and they won't get it out of us. Do you still believe that's the case today? Yes, I do. Because everybody that, that commented on that tweet all said they weren't going to San Antonio. So yeah, People can be mad all they want, but the 27 responses that I got on that tweet said that they wouldn't be going to San Antonio, but they would See, love to play in the game. Yeah, I would love to go to San Antonio. It's just not, I mean, it's it's not as close, obviously. Vegas or San Diego, you can get in the car and drive there. It's just not as not as easy to do it. Um, Shane, your thoughts on Arizona ending up in the top 10 and maybe just some bold thoughts of what you expect. Yeah, it's hard to hear from from Jeff, but and I and you, you mentioned a seven and five Utah team. Well, well it's an eight and four Utah team. So right. I I understand that, and I just think back as you were talking, Jeff. I was thinking back to the Fiesta Bowl against Boise State, and even the uh, the Cactus kickoff against BYU. In both of those games, there were at least as many, if not more, visiting fans in Glendale. So I concede your point there. You know, Arizona football fans just aren't aren't they're not basketball fans. Put it that way. Uh, as far as your your question, will they finish in the top ten? Probably if they win. Um, it, I guess it depends. Like Jeff said, it depends on who they play. You know, they played Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. They have a chance to leapfrog Oklahoma by winning that game. Uh, and then you figure there'd be enough, you know, New Year's Six Bowl teams that would lose mm-hmm. in the top ten yeah. or twelve that would probably Arizona would probably leapfrog them. There, and if there were more upsets, even a handful more upsets in the last couple of weeks, Arizona could be looking at a New Year's Six game. There just haven't been that many. Louisville was yeah. it this past weekend. Uh, weekend before that, it was Oregon State that lost ahead of them, but they lost to a better Washington team. There just haven't been an, enough upsets for Arizona to climb the ladder. But I do think if they win their last game, and again, it depends on who it is, if they win their, their last game, they'll probably sneak into the top 10. I think if they don't make the Alamo Bowl, as Jeff had heard from, you know, if the Alamo Bowl des- decides to bypass on Arizona, I think it's a mistake. I mean, I think this is a matchup that from a TV perspective right now, Arizona is one of the hottest teams in the country having won its last six games, including what uh, four over ranked teams. I think that's what, you know, you, you would get a ranked versus ranked matchup against Oklahoma. Whereas Utah, you know, was unimpressive against Colorado in their last game. For example, uh, USC is not going to have, you know, they're going to have some opt-outs, you know, for, for Arizona, as far as opt-outs go, and I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I would think, for me, Jordan Morgan would be the only one that I would just say, yeah, you probably sit out. Everybody else, I don't, you know, I think Cowing, uh, another guy that's trying to prove himself on in NFL circles, like I, T-Max still got another year. I, I mean, I think, would think those guys are going to play. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Yeah, I think I think Jordan would be the only one who would would probably consider not playing in that game. And I wouldn't. Because, I would tell him not to play. By no, the way. I, would, I would. I would. I mean, I would recommend him not either. I mean, he has a chance of being a first round pick this year. Yeah. He's going to go and play in the Senior Bowl. He's going to show out at the Combine. And there's a lot of competition to be a, a first round draft pick in the at, at the offensive tackle position this year. There's four guys in that in you know in that conversation right now that a lot of people consider to be ahead of Jordan. So I wouldn't. I, I you know I wouldn't you know shirk him any uh, any any opportunities to uh to better his position to get you know move into that higher position in the in the draft so i would be totally fine with that but i, I would expect everyone else to play 
All right, I'm going to kind of rephrase this one, Shane, is from the way I wrote it down to you. Um, I would say T-Mac, uh, so Tedder McMillan and Rob Gronkowski are by far the top or the most, the two most talented offensive players uh, at Arizona in at least 25 years since at least Trunk candidate. Would you agree? Would you buy or sell that assessment? Uh, are we talking non-quarterbacks or everyone? We're just talking everybody. Everybody? For offensive I mean, player. Yeah, and I would I, I put everybody. You know, you can right. throw... Well, I, I, I throw Nick Foles in there. Uh, Willie Tuatama for what he did at Arizona. Mike Thomas and Kadeem Carey would be my and contenders. I think, uh, Kadeem Carey, I would... Okay, fair. But I'm throwing... I think T-Mac and Rob Gronkowski are two players, in my opinion, that just stood out. Yeah. They're neck above. You know? I think when when he's done at Arizona, McMillan could be considered that. Um, He's on his way. On his way, for sure. And, and just in terms of raw talent, I think he's right up there with Gronkowski. But in terms of, like legacy like what he's done at arizona he, he, another year of what he did th- this past year and 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 maybe we can have that conversation am i going over the top with that one jeff uh are we talking about just offensive players we're talking about defensive players i too. actually would say <laughs> i mean i know listen scooby was a phenomenal player and he won yeah. all the defensive play but in terms of a, a, a talented uh wow prospect at arizona you had gronkowski was one of those guys and he got yeah. hurt obviously didn't go in the first round but t-mac is probably to me one of the most uh, eye-catching players that Arizona's had on the field in 25 years. If, if I'm going to add one other name to the list, and I, I still think that this is the greatest player, in my opinion, that I've ever seen on a football field wearing an Arizona uniform, and that's Chris McAllister. I, I remember watching Chris play. I would be at the stadium, and I'm just thinking to myself, he's on. these guys aren't even in the same zip code as this guy. I mean, nobody on that field compared to Chris McAllister. I need to see Chris at the game last Saturday, the last, you know, the last home game he was there. He looked like he could still suit up and go play for the Ravens right now. He's 43 years old. I think he is. He looked amazing. And it's just like, man, once in a, once in a lifetime, you know, type athlete there. And I, listen, I agree with you. When you watch guys like Gronk play and you watch T-Mac play, you just know you see something different. They jump off yep. of the page to you, yep. right? Uh, and and there's certainly you know there's certainly a lot of credence there that those two guys are neck and neck. I just wish that Gronk could have played more games for us. Right. Know, he was you know the back injuries a lot uh, and things like that when he was in college. I mean to have all the records that he had and to play only half of the games he was eligible for is uh, is pretty remarkable. So I I've been going to Arizona football games consistently since 2001. I would put Gronk. Uh, T-Mac, Kadeem Carey, and Antoine Quezon as the foremost, and, and Scooby. Uh, if you were to ask me a top five of players that stood out when you watch them play, no offense to Nick Foles or anyone, like, but like guys that you're like, whoa, you you just couldn't help following them all over the field, wherever they were. Those are the five guys at Arizona football. But I think T-Mac, as Shane said, when it's all said and done, has a chance to be possibly greater than all of them go higher than all of them when it comes to the draft which is which is wild all right one more before we move on to our next segment um there are rumors about jed fish um i'm just gonna start with you on this one shane it's officially time to worry about keeping jed fish this year uh i i don't have a lot more just to add than what i already have said i i tend to think that he probably will stay unless the the uh the florida job opens up which i don't think it doesn't sound like it will at least this year uh, I do. I do want to know what Jed said to uh, Rick Neuheisel in an interview a couple of weeks ago, and, and this is from Greg Hansen's column. Uh, Jed said I about taking another job, leaving Tucson. He said I couldn't do that to my wife Amber. She's made twelve moves with me. I'm committed to the kids here, like they're com- they've committed to me, and I want to see this come to fruition and watch it play out. So there's some. I mean, that's a little. 
you never know what's going to happen, but he gave a little bit more than just like, well, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm thinking about our next opponent, like like you typically hear. Like Jed said at his recent press conference, that was a little more meat on the bone. And I think that he would really like to stay in one place for a while. His family would like to stay in one place for a while. And if the money can make sense, uh, he can get enough uh, of a pay bump and and get you know budget to keep his assistance. I think he stays for at least one more year. But that's just my opinion. And I have no inside information. I would agree with that. Jeff, you probably know more than us. A&M is off the table, as it sounds when we're recording this. Mike Elko from Duke, former A&M assistant, going to go back there. Um, are you concerned about any jobs that may open? Maybe if Michigan opens or UCLA, if that opens, or is it pretty much Florida or bust at this point for Jed in this cycle? Yeah, I think the only speculation here is about the UCLA job. Jim Harbaugh is not losing his job in Michigan anytime soon. You see how those players and those coaches react to him not being there. Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's not going anywhere. Um, He's going to the NFL. I mean, I don't even I don't even know if he would go to the NFL because I think hmm. you know I don't know. I've I've heard things uh, about okay. his return to the NFL. Um, okay. You know, if 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 Chip Kelly gets fired, I think it's an if and when situation right now. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're Jed Fish, do you say, do I take one of the worst teams, uh, in the big 10 job, or do I keep one of the best teams in the big 12 job? Uh, and I think that's a pretty obvious, obvious choice there. I mean, granted you're going to make more money. However, UCLA not going to make as much money as the other big 10 schools for the next three years because of that, uh, the whole contract buyout thing, um, that they're, that they're experiencing. So they're going to be making 12, I think it's $12 million less than all the other schools. So okay, you're going to make $35 million in the Big Ten. You can make $31.5 in the Big 12. That's an extra $3.5 million for the program. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I really don't think it's an issue. And I don't think Billy Napier is getting fired at Florida anytime soon. So uh, I think we're all systems go. If you look at Florida's schedule, and I don't have it up right now, um, but if you look at Florida's schedule for next year, it is an absolute and utter gauntlet. Billy Napier is not surviving that. I think this discussion is tabled, in my opinion, until next year for the reason that Jeff just said about UCLA. I don't think that is a better job than Arizona is uh, at this point. I mean, obviously you have the, the the prestige of UCLA, but going into the Big Ten, I, I don't think you have a chance to win there like you do at Arizona next year, especially with guys like Fafita and T-Mac, assuming that they come back and don't go anywhere. And I have a feeling after Arizona losing some players last year, like Dorian Singer and Bars and Christian Roland Wallace, Maybe more guys that might have gone somewhere might decide to stay. The future is, in the short term at least, pretty darn bright at Arizona. The grass isn't always greener. Coming up next, talk a little basketball and make some Power 5 Conference Championship game picks here in Wildcat Country. What's up, everyone? It's Chris Gronkowski, and football season is back. Ice Shaker is a proud sponsor of the Wildcat Country podcast. Don't forget to check out some of our new products like the Ice Shaker with the built-in bump box speaker that's going to absolutely pop at your next tailgate party. Let's crush it this season. Bear down. You know, we had a lot of fun on Saturday watching Arizona and Arizona State, obviously, but then Thursday was a lot of fun in itself with Arizona-Michigan State basketball in Palm Springs. Now, Arizona jumped out in the first half and looked like a top three team that it is. And then in the second half, it wasn't so good. Jeff, I'm going to start with you. This Wildcat team showed me something the way they finished the game. Oh, was it like an 11-1 run or something like that? I mean, that was super impressive. 
Yeah, and it started with the defensive end of the of the of the court, right? I mean, that's where that's where they they got the you know the comeback to uh, to begin, and it's really what has kind of spurred this team this year, at least in the last couple of games. I know um, in the in the previous game at McHale where they were kind of struggling with uh, with that team, um, and I remember who it is now. To be honest with you, I don't have the the, the schedule in front of me; it's all a blur to me. Um, but you know, the last team that they beat. And it was a pretty close game and things like that. And then they just allowed themselves to use defense to turn it into offense kind of thing. And the next thing you know, it was, I think we had outscored them 48 to seven at one point in the second UT half Arlington. of that game. Arlington. UT Arlington. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it was, you know, there was the, the, I think it was a six point, um, a six point, a six Oh run at the end of the first half and then a 14-0 run to begin the second half but then at one point it was like 48 to 7 in the second half and it was all predicated by defense there was turnovers and and uh, quick offense and things like that and i think the same thing happened against michigan state i will say this um i i you know i, I did not know what to think of michigan state i knew obviously the program extremely well of last year's team they shot the lights out they're the best shooting team in the big 10 this year they've been struggling a little bit I'll tell you what, that team is a lot better than I thought. Like that team's a lot better than their record shows and the team that they've lost to this year. That team is really good. Uh, I was really impressed with how good Michigan State was. They got some really good players in that team. Yeah, I thought so too. I was I came away thinking, yeah, I watched them against James Madison where they lost. James Madison's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have not been that impressive. I thought Arizona was gonna bury him after the first half and Michigan state showed some fight. That's a team that had come tournament time, like always uh, Tom Izzo team, yep. Shane, yep. you just want to not a team. I would love to see Arizona play in the first couple rounds. Yeah. Tom Izzo is probably the coach I would least want to go against in the NCAA tournament. You know, it, n- no coach is immune to, to having the occasional upset in the tournament, but he's one of the best tournament coaches, you know, and we saw, as we saw when they were a seven seed last year. Uh, so the, the fight wasn't surprising. It's interesting how the games against Michigan State and Duke kind of mirrored each other. Uh, Arizona had a bigger lead against Michigan State. They, they never led by that much against Duke, but they led most of the second half. Uh, Michigan State and Duke both took the lead late. You're thinking, oh, here we go. And Arizona closed strong in both of them. And, of course, you, it's funny. You had Caleb Love hitting a three at the buzzer at the end of the first half of both games. And then K.J. Lewis with the dunk, the, the exclamation point at the end of both games. But it's good that we have closers on this team. And like you've talked about, Eric, this team needed an alpha or two. And it seems like they have several. You know, Kylan Boswell is not afraid to take the last shot. Caleb Love, or in this case, Jaden Bradley, uh, went out there and, and hit a, a 30 seconds of great defense yep. for Michigan State. And Bradley uh, took just, just drained a jumper. And so that that clutch gene is what was missing from Arizona, along with some, you know, just some defense and toughness last year. And Arizona's checking all those boxes this year. You know, Shane, you mentioned that last play in Palm Springs. It, it meant a lot to some people. Oh, yeah. I, I know you might not have been aware, but the line was between four and a half and five and a half in most mm-hmm. places. Arizona happened to be up four and one by six. Did you did you take I, the I actually did not have not the, the spread? I, I just had a money line bet, okay. which you know, as part of a, a parlay, which you know you shouldn't do, but I love parlays. Uh, you know, so I had that obviously Arizona was going to win the game at that point, but for some people that meant quite a bit. I believe Arizona is still undefeated against the spread. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Now the, the schedule gets weird. So Jeff, Jeff doesn't have, doesn't have a, as much work as he probably should in December for this team. They have Colgate at home this next Saturday on December 2nd, and they have 
They they wait a week after that play Wisconsin at home. Okay, so there's they play once a week. Then the following Saturday they play Purdue in Indianapolis. Then they play a Wednesday Saturday uh, Alabama up here in Phoenix, and then Florida Atlantic at T-Mobile Arena before Pac-12 play starts. Kind of a weird schedule, Jeff. Just your thoughts on do you like the way that that Arizona constructed this with not playing midweek games for the most part in December? Uh, personally, yes. Um, I, you know, for me, it's great. Cause then I don't have to yeah. shuffle my, my work schedule around during the week. Yeah. Um, so for me, it works great. I'm, I'm happy with the way that they uh, have constructed the schedule. It is weird to have only a couple games in the month of December though, where I have to go down to Tucson and, and, uh, and work the game. So that's, that's going to, that's quite different, but I am glad uh, that they're going to be up here in Glendale as long as there's no, uh, as long as there's no conflict with uh, an Arizona football bowl game, I'll be attending that game. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking to see them, uh, to play Alabama. And um, I also actually just got some information about next year Arizona basketball. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Did you, did you guys like see to, this? I did, no, no, no. Break, break. Yes, oh, I did. But I go didn't, ahead. But, well, you're not breaking the news to everyone, but break it to me. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, we know where Arizona basketball is going to be playing their preseason tournament next year. They're going to be going back to the Bahamas in the battle for Atlantis. Oh. Um, and I have the list of teams here. Oh, go ahead. I didn't see that. I didn't see the list. It's of really, teams. it's really impressive. All right. So we've got Arizona. Uh, also in that tournament is uh, is Creighton, Davidson going to be making an appearance in that tournament, Gonzaga in mm. that tournament, Indiana, Louisville, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. Goodness, mm. all right. Well, so if, if I re- if I recall, our the last battle for Atlantis, Arizona participated in did not go as well as we would have liked. No. No, it didn't. <laughs> we don't have to spend a lot of time talking. But about we know it. we know what team that was, and we know how yeah, how I disengaged know. that team was for mm-hmm. a, a large chunk of the year. So, so that uh, battle for Atlantis could have some interesting matchups. Now, I don't know if Kirk Creesa might be around next year if he could get an extra oh, year. That, of I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, if he's West ba- Virginia, he, a super senior. And then, you, yeah. and then you could have Tommy Lloyd and Mark Few potentially meet up for the first time. Wow, that could be quite the Thanksgiving. So you would have to think that Arizona's non-conference schedule next year might be, especially with the Big 12 schedule, you know, uh, going and, to be significantly And Duke tougher. coming to Tucson. And yeah, it's going to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. With Duke coming to Tucson and with the battle for Atlantis and with the, the new schedule in the Big 12, uh, you're going to see a lot of directional schools and CC schools in the. Well, in but, but, wait a se- but wait a second. You're yeah. also going to have. So uh, Arizona played. This is the return game with Alabama, or is this a new game with Alabama this year? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure this is the they, new game. Okay, then you've got Purdue next. Because the last time we played Alabama, uh, Colin Sexton was their was their point. Right. Player. I was, I was going to say it's been a while. Right. So then you've got Purdue. That's they're gonna. There's going to be if there's another one with that. I don't remember offhand. The Florida Atlantic I know is a standalone game. Wisconsin's right. you're going to be at Wisconsin. As, as a makeup game, or, you know, as kind of the return game for that. Yeah. So Duke at home, at Wisconsin, I don't know the status of Purdue, don't know the status of Alabama, and then the Battle of Atlantis. Boy. Uh, not to mention the uh, yeah, not to mention the Big 12 schedule. Yeah, and then the gauntlet of the, of the Big 12. Amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot. All right, well, we'll there's going to be a lot of basketball talk. <laughs> uh, no football game for probably a month, just depending on how it all shakes out. But we will make more picks we're not going to pick Arizona and Colgate this weekend. Uh, we'll pass on that one, but we will pick five. I did all my research on Colgate. You know, well, yeah, you will have to do more research you, on Colgate. Are you, founded Jeffrey? in 1917 uh, in Pennsylvania as a response to the Crest Company's firings. And 
and you know they've yeah. uh, they've you know professed fresh breath all this time. You you brushed know, up on your they, history is what I did. Saying. I did oh, brush boy. up on my history. I certainly did. Well, yeah, I don't know if Colgate is uh, is all that great this season. They're actually oh, the favorites in their league. Oh, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are the favorites in in the uh, Colonial, I believe it is. Okay, well, yeah, it shows the favorites. you. <laughs> yes, do you know uh, Shane offhand? Do you know what the Colgate uh, nickname is? I was just trying to think of what it is, and I don't remember. I would not have gotten it. Do you know it, Jeff? Uh, you know what? That's one of the ones and, that I don't and know. And Jeff said he did his research. Stump. Colgate Raiders. Raiders. I Raiders. almost said Crusaders. I was like, it's Crusaders okay. or something like that. Yeah. Col- Colgate's losses thus far, they're 3-3. Three and three. They've lost by 4 to Syracuse, by 18 to Yale, and most recently by 6 to Harvard. They have a game against Binghamton this week before traveling to Arizona. Oh, big time. Hey, it, yeah. But by the way, guys, do you guys think Arizona's gonna be ranked number one at some point this season? After they beat Purdue, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's the okay, because that's the only team in the, the six-game gauntlet that Arizona's playing, this non-conference gauntlet. That's the only team I I as of now think Arizona would lose to. But basically, if you're asking if they're gonna be number one, which I just did, uh that you're asking if they're gonna beat Purdue. If they do, they'll be number one. If not, it's gonna to be tough to get up there with a the Pac-12 schedule. But uh they're gonna be right there. Uh they're gonna be and again recording this Sunday night, so we don't know if they're gonna be number two or three or who who knows, four in the next poll. But um, my guess is they're they're number two. Yeah. Uh you know, in the, in the next the upcoming poll tomorrow's tomorrow's poll. Yeah. I think they'll I think they'll be number two in the country. And I, listen, don't sleep on FAU. That is a really Oh, sure. Really good basketball team. Yeah, and you see what they did today. They, they stubbed their opponent. toe a little bit, but they crushed no, people. No, they crushed somebody today. They yeah. crushed a team. And we're recording this on Sunday if you didn't uh, you know, didn't catch on to that earlier in the program. But FAU put it all over a team uh, that they faced. It was uh, Virginia Tech. They won by 34. Yeah, I think they're uh, averaging and- like 91 points a game, too. They, they can score. That will be a f- – if Arizona were in the Vegas Bowl, that would be an amazing day. If that were to happen, so just kind of keep an eye on that. We'll yeah. we'll know more next week for the next podcast that we do. We'll know Arizona's bowl destination. We'll kind of break that down a little bit more, and I'm sure we'll have. Don't a forget on. about our destination next December. Next December, as you if you're beautiful, watching the video the beautiful stream, backdop that I have here. If you're watching the video stream, and if you aren't, AT and T Stadium is located in Dallas. Boy, that would be kind of a fun uh, place to attend uh, next December for that game. That'd be that would be interesting. But hey, Arizona might be dreaming big next year. Twelve team playoff. Fiesta Bowl is a quarterfinal. Yep. Just saying. We'll worry about that closer, too. All right, let's get into How our... crazy would it be if our first Rose Bowl comes as a member of the Pac-12, of the Big 12, not the Pac-12? I mean, we're due to get there sometime, right? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, it's got to happen. You know, we're due to get there at some point. That would, that would be great to say that. All right, let's pick five games, uh, five conference championship games, the Power Five conferences. Last week, I went five and four. Shane went three and six. And our guest Barrett Baker went two and seven. I have a four game lead on Shane, and we are up uh, a lot on the guests who are ten games behind Shane and fourteen behind me. Oh. But listen, listen, Jeff, you'll be on again to make some more picks. I'm sure after this during bowl season, so you have a chance to help that uh, that record as well as this week. Let's start in the might as well start in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State against Texas, who is giving eleven and a half. Jeff, I'll let you make the first pick. What do you think? Man, you know, before yesterday, I was like, this is going to be a close game. I, you know, I, I figured that Oklahoma State would win their game yesterday against BYU, and they had to claw and scrape and come back from a three-touchdown deficit to uh, to the Cougars in that game. And I'm, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, it's going to be a close game against Texas. It's going to be a close game against Texas. But something about this game, I don't know, man. Uh, Texas is clicking on all cylinders right now. They look pretty darn good. They're looking really confident. And 11 and a half is a big number. 
it's a really big number. I think they probably win by 10, which is going to force me to take Oklahoma State plus the 11 and a half, even though I'm not really happy about it, but I'll take Oklahoma State plus the 11 and a half regardless. All right, Shane, uh, I'm going to take Texas with this number because style points matter in this game. If you're going to get in the top four in your Texas, you need to look really, really good. Winning by 10, probably not jumping anybody. There's some crazy scenarios, and we'll get to the end after we after we make our picks. I want to ask you guys about that. But I'm taking Texas with the points. I think they have to win this game by two touchdowns to really get serious consideration, barring some calamities. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and I I didn't even think of that, that style point factor. But I, I just I, – my mind keeps going back to how average Oklahoma State looked against ASU early in the season. I know they're a different team. Like Arizona is a different team. Uh, I just think Oklahoma State's kind of like the third best team or maybe the second best team in the conference by default. Uh, I just don't think they're that good that that they they really had to the backdoor win against a BYU at home. I don't think they put up much of a fight against Texas for more than a half. I, I like Texas to cover. Okay, now let's go uh, to our next game here. This is an interesting one. This is where Texas is going to be paying a lot of attention. Louisville, who lost to Mark Stoops in Kentucky uh, on Saturday, they're playing Florida State, who is – a four-and-a-half-point favorite without their quarterback, Jordan Travis, trying to keep an undefeated season. Now, Shane, I'm going to start with you. Who are you picking in this game, Florida State minus four-and-a-half? And if Florida State were to win the game, even by one point, and go 13-0, and they have to be included in the playoff, right? No, no, they don't. And actually, well, first of all, I'm going to take Louisville to win, even though I think okay. they laid an egg against uh, Kentucky. That was a really disappointing rivalry loss for them. But I, I think that without Jordan Travis, I think Louisville is still a slightly better team. And I, I think that Florida State is due for, due for a loss that's going to come in this game, unfortunately. If Florida State wins, uh, a lot of it's going to come down to whether Alabama beats Georgia. Because if Alabama beats Georgia, both those teams are going to be in. I think Georgia's already in. I don't think they're going to be knocked out of the top four. Uh, I think Alabama is definitely going to be in. So then you look at probably at Michigan meets Iowa, they're in. So that's three. And then the fourth team, probably the Oregon Washington winner wouldn't be a shoe in for Oregon, but I think they would probably get there. And then you're looking at maybe Florida state and Texas being left out in the cold. Uh, yeah. If Alabama loses, then that leaves room for one more team and would probably be Florida state over Texas. Okay. Uh, Jeff, first of all, make a pick on the game. And this is your thoughts on, on an undefeated Florida state. Are they a must yeah, no, I mean, definitely not a must. I mean, this is a strange year for Power Five undefeateds, you know. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, a, a, a amount of them that we're not used to, which is a, a very strange situation to be in. Maybe uh, the team that's playing better than all of them has one loss, and they're going to get the chance to, to, to play their game in Las Vegas coming up this Friday. Um, to start off with the, the pick, you know, I, I know there was a lot of things about – being said about the disrespect to the other 21 players on Florida state and they earned that undefeated record too. It wasn't just Jordan Travis and, you know, and then you watch the game yesterday and you're like, they're just not that good without them, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, it just, yeah. they make way too many mistakes. Their offense lacks all of the explosion that we saw earlier in the year outside of the Clemson game. Um, and, and I like Louisville straight up in this game, just like Shane does. I, you know, I think, that game yesterday against Kentucky, that's always a strange kind of football rivalry because they, everybody in that state cares more about basketball. They do football. And the football game usually turns into some kind of a fracas. And that's what it was yesterday. It was just long play after long play, a game breaker after game breaker. Uh, and, and you know, Kentucky's no slouch either. So, um, you know, beating Louisville that way, not really uh, all that surprising. But I do think that Louisville – I'm just – 
I'll just take Louisville plus the was it four and a half. I'll take Louisville yep. plus the four and a half, but I do think they're going to win the game outright. I, I'm going to take Florida State. I think they win this game just at the initial outset before doing any research on. It, I think they win the game by a touchdown or so. I think if they get to 13 and 0, you cannot leave them out under any circumstances. There has never been a not an undefeated team that uh, from a Power Five conference that has been left out. Now, do I would I like to see them out? Yes, <laughs> but but Eric, Eric, if Alabama beats Georgia, do you really think the committee is going to going to take Georgia out? I, I don't think, think so. I, and here's I don't why, think Shane. so. I don't think you can put Alabama in if you don't put a one-loss Texas team in. Texas beat them on the road by 10. No. It'll, you, you, I, I don't disagree with you, but they will put Alabama ahead of Texas, guaranteed. I don't Especially know. Especially if Alabama wins because they're the SEC champion. I, right. I think both of you would – I think both of them would have to get in. I, I really do it. And I think it could come at at, at a – you know, uh, at the cost of, a, of an Oregon. I really Maybe. do. Maybe. And I think that's where the pack, you know, the conference is going away. You know, what do they don't have to appease the Pac 12? Who cares? You know, Texas going to the SEC. They wouldn't they appease the Pac 12 anyway, but yeah, I understand yeah, your I mean, point. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Michigan, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to that uh, before we get to the end here. All right. Iowa is a 22 and a half point underdog against Michigan. I don't think they have any prayer. I think Michigan wins this game by at least 24. Uh, so I'm going with that. How about you, Shane? Well, the problem is, I think Michigan wins comfortably, but they might not even score. 22 points because of okay. Iowa's defense. I mean, they could, Michigan could win this game 21 to three. I think that's okay. a, a like, or even 24 to three and they wouldn't cover. So I, I think that just, that Michigan does, I think, or I think Iowa covers just because it's probably going to be a lower scoring game, even though Michigan will put up some points, but I don't think it's going to be enough to get that much separation. All right. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is one of the situations where you're looking at the spread being 22 and a half and the over under being 31 and a half. And that number is just way too close. I mean, they're just basically expecting Michigan to shut out Iowa, yeah, which exactly. is very easily, you know, conceivable. I mean, you could easily see Michigan yeah. winning this game 27 to nothing. I mean, you could definitely see that, but I just think that's just such a razor thin margin to be that close to the over under number. I'll take Iowa plus the 22 and a half. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's go to the SEC championship game. Alabama against Georgia, who is giving five and a half. Jeff, we saw Alabama. They should have lost, if not for a fourth and 31. Yesterday, fourth and goal from the 31, a miracle play that kept their national championship hopes alive. Uh, can they pull the upset, or can they keep it closer than five and a half against Georgia? Let's see if I can draw the ire of Nick Saban here. What unbelievable luck for Alabama on the Plains last night uh, in that uh, miracle comeback. Honestly, you know, Auburn should be chastised for only rushing two guys and dropping nine on that play. It's just a stupid, ridiculous. Well, they did drop. The, oh, they, they actually had a spy on Milrow on right. a fourth down from the 31 on, yard spy line. on him. Yeah, it's just it's re ridiculous. Like he was going to run the 31 yards right. by himself to get right. there. So ridiculous. I mean, the worst defensive call in the history of, of, of college football. Um, you look, this is going to be one hell of a fight. And, and we, you know, we see it all the time between these two schools. They're just destined to meet one another in this game almost every single season, it seems like. And, you know, even though Georgia did kind of stumble a little bit against Georgia Tech, it's the rivalry game, yada, 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 I think they're primed and ready. And this is – if one thing that Kirby Smart and Georgia have proven over the last couple of years is they can – they're able of, of – of, capable of flipping the switch on and off whenever they want to. Um, and I think they'll flip that switch on and they'll, they'll win that game. I mean, Georgia big, minus five and a half. Big? Okay. All right, Shane, how about you? What do you think? Uh, before the Auburn game, I was all prepped to pick Alabama to win this game outright. 
Um, I guess because I feel like Georgia's just due for a loss. I agree with Jeff. Georgia's the better team, but I feel like Alabama was at least was rolling, and and they're still they can ride that momentum. You know, that beating barely beating an Auburn team that got got blown out by New Mexico State. I know, but you know, one game to the next doesn't it doesn't really matter in college football at all. So I, I will hedge a little bit. I will still I will take Alabama to cover, maybe not win outright, but I will take them to cover the spread. Okay, I actually am going to take. I think Georgia wins uh, big. I actually agree with Jeff here. I'm taking I'm taking Georgia to win this game by at least a touchdown, maybe even double digits. I I was not impressed with uh, with Alabama yesterday. Now did they get caught looking ahead? Maybe. I think Georgia is playing at a better level than I probably have given them credit for. I think they take care of business because if they lose and they get embarrassed, let's say, there's a risk that they're out. I don't think Kirby Smart's going to let that happen. Uh, yeah, and and I fa- also think, and just real quickly, I yeah. also think that game's going to be decided in the trenches. Uh, you know, Alabama's offensive line has really been underwhelming all year, and that Georgia defensive line is a monster, and I think that's where the game is won. That's fair. All right, let's go to the Pac-12 championship game, the final Pac-12 championship game. Just a kind of a crazy line, Oregon minus eight and a half, and it's actually risen from that, but we'll go with eight and a half uh, just to you know, make sure there's no ties in this one against an undefeated Washington team. Now, Oregon lost by three earlier in the year. If they had converted a fourth down in Seattle, they would be undefeated, and Washington, we probably wouldn't be talking about them at all as far as a potential national championship contender. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think about this game? And then give me your pick, Oregon, minus eight and a half for Washington, plus the points. Well, you know, I, I kind of tipped my hand a little bit earlier. I, I don't know if there's a team in college football that's playing better football right now than Oregon. Um, they're just stomping a mud hole in everybody they play. And it has been that way for several weeks. It's not, we're not just talking about a two week run. We're talking about a good four to five week run here where they have just been gaining and surging. Nobody's playing better at the quarterback position than Bo Nix right now. They're impossible to tackle in space. And the defense has really stepped up their intensity right now. I, I just, you know, as good of a team as Washington is, and I got, you know, we got, we get to see them up close and personal this mm-hmm. year. And I recognize that that is a really, really talented football team. I think Oregon wins this game 45 to 17. I don't, I don't think wow. it's even close. I really don't. Wow. Shane, how about you? Well, let me ask you guys this before we get into it. Uh, if Arizona was facing Washington next weekend, what do you think guys think the spread would be? Cause I'm thinking it might be like Washington by minus on a three. neutral site. Yeah. I, I think Washington minus five and a half. Yeah. I don't even know what would be that much just because of the way teams are playing. But I actually I agree with Shane on this one. I'd, t- yeah. I'd probably take the under that. I think I could see it as low as three and a half the way Arizona's playing right now. Guys, we were yeah. only 10 and a half favorite in Tempe. Well, I think I actually went to 12 and a half after we learned Badger was out, but still, I, I take your point. Less than two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody, res- nobody, nobody yeah. respects whatever. That's, that's a fair point. Fair enough. That's a good point. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. well, okay. So back to reality. Uh, I agree with Jeff. I think Oregon is playing as well, if not better than anyone in the country right now. I think uh, Bo Nix should be the Heisman winner. Jaden Daniels will be. Uh, but I think Oregon wins comfortably. I think Washington's, they, they've been living very dangerously for weeks now. I mean, you think, I, I thinking back to another ASU game. ASU easily could have beaten Washington if not for a very bad no call late in that game. Uh, they 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 beat a or good Oregon State team on the road. That was a good win, but it was a very close game. They had to get a very lucky roughing the passer call to to finish up Washington State. I think their luck runs out against the Ducks, who are clicking on all cylinders. I I like Oregon with the points. I think we're going to go three for three on this one. I'm taking the Ducks. I just don't see this game the way Washington has played. Exactly what what you guys have said. I mean the fact that Washington last week. Uh, on Saturday, I mean, they went for it on fourth and one at their own 29 yard line and, uh, you know, got it and ended up kicking a game winning field goal. I think Oregon paced them. And I think we all can probably agree. Uh, Bo Nix will win the Heisman trophy. 
a week from Saturday. I get I, 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 Jaden Daniels is going to win it. Bo Nix should. He's coast biased. Jaden Daniels is going to win it. Jeff, who do you think? I mean, I, if I were voting, it would be Bo Nix, but I'm not yeah. voting. And uh, a lot of people don't think like I do, unfortunately. Bo Nix will uh, win. I think Bo, I think Bo, Bo Nix is the most deserving player. Yeah. And yeah. I think Jaden Daniels will win the, win the Heisman. Oh, you do. Th- you both think. Oh, interesting. See, yeah. I'm going double not so fast on you guys. Do I, I, I just include- hope that I hope that Bo Nix has a big game on Friday against Washington and, you know, gets that one extra game over Jaden Daniels that gives, you know, voters. The, the problem is right now, voters have already half the voters have already sent in their their ballots. Yeah, that's that's the that's the main problem. I, well, I talked to Heisman voters all the time. Like, oh, I sent it in weeks ago. Like, what are you talking about? Well, and, and, and Kirk Herbstreit even said on game day, and by the way, game day didn't bother to pick Arizona ASU, which is ridiculous, no. especially because it was on their air. But Herbstreit said, who is a Heisman voter, said he was voting for Jaden Daniels. So yep. and I think back to two Stanford running backs should have won the Heisman, uh, Toby Gerhardt and Christian McCaffrey, and okay. both were subject to sec bias and, and lost to a pair of Alabama running backs. So I think the same thing is going to happen to Bo Nix. Uh, right now, the betting favorite Bo Nix is a sizable favorite. Um, he is, uh, Jaden Daniels was, was a favorite last week. His Jaden Daniels numbers are great, but LSU, I mean, their defense has been awful. You have to give Bo Nix the credit and be. I mean, if he beats, I Washington don't disagree against, with you. I'm just saying what I think the voters are going to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm well, the same I, way. I'm saying, yeah, I, I am including this as one of our picks here, giving you guys a chance to get get one back here on me here. <laughs> I'm going Bo Nix here. I think he's a good bet for the Heisman Trophy. All right, last question here. This has been an awesome show, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us the whole time. Give me your final four, as it's after this weekend. What will the final four be uh, after all these results? Wow! Wow! Um, okay. Uh, well, Georgia, Michigan. So let's say Georgia, Michigan, I'm going to say Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, man, that's right. And that's where I get hung up. You know, I, I, I guess I'll say Texas. Okay. So Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, po- probably in that order, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shane. Shane, how about you? What do you think? I, I agree. I think if, if Alabama wins, it'll be Alabama instead of Texas. Um, if Alabama loses to Georgia, then it will be Texas. It will be exactly what Jeff said. Okay. So, well, what are you picking? I mean, you got it. You're you picking out. Do you think Alabama will win? Uh, I I will. You know, just for the sake of being different from Jeff, I'll go ahead and stick with that my my Alabama pick and go with Alabama along with Georgia, Michigan, and Oregon. Okay, I I do not think Alabama will get in without Texas, but I think Florida State will win this game. I'm going to go Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Oregon in that order. We'll see Georgia and Oregon and then Michigan, Florida State in the Rose Bowl, and that one will be ugly because I think Michigan will put it all over them. Hey, this has been an awesome show. Jeff, thank you so much for joining Shane and I for the entire thing. I mean, there's been so much to talk about as far as, I mean, what a what a season. You know, we as I've mentioned in previous shows, we had a few people on our YouTube uh, comments at the start of the season who said Arizona's going to go nine and three. And I wrote back to one of them and said, you are crazy. You're absolutely nuts. And that person or those people were right. And I got to give them all the credit in the world. Never in a million years could I have seen this coming. Could I have seen what happened last week against Utah blowout like that and a blowout like this uh, against ASU. It has been a dream ride. Whatever happens in the bowl game is gravy, but we've had, what a November, what an October and November. It's been so much fun. So for Jeff Dean, Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Bear down.